Hey guys, welcome to the Do Good Podcast. I am your host, Rob Watson. And in today's episode, I've got a really great guy um, lined up for you all. His name's Alec McCarth. He is a musician, but he's also a sound therapy practitioner. He has been in the music industry for, for many years, starting, you know, in his teenage years and being in bands and he's been able to travel the world with it and have record deals and stuff. Yeah, probably about five, ten years ago, he sort of changed a bit of direction and realising the real meditative quality of music and the healing qualities of it as well. So the past few years, he's been training to be a sound therapy practitioner. So he'll run events and he'll work one-to-one with people to um, with with music, doing gongs and, and all sorts of really fascinating ways. And I, 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 something that's really resonated with me because I've experienced some of these things in the past and how I felt after them and how settled I felt within myself and and yeah so it's amazing I really really enjoyed this chat and there's um there's loads of great wisdom in this one particularly coming all from from Alex and I really really enjoyed it and I'm great to to put this one out with you guys so and also Alex brought along a lot of his his music instruments that he uses to do sound healing so he actually did about a 10 10 minute session in in our space so if you listen right to the end or go to the end you can check that out it lasts for about 10 minutes so i just wanted to share that one with you guys we'll get into today's episode but before i do i just want to mention that what i've just recently started i've started a patreon page up which enables listeners to potentially support the podcast and become members of it it enables me to continue doing this and potentially i want to be able to start putting out even more episodes so the if i can get some support in that way uh, on that page so i'll include a link to that there's different tiers for it i think it's in dollars it's kind of tends to be the main sort of platform that everyone tends to use so i can't really switch that so if you're in the uk it just you know it gets converted and stuff like that but if you do if you enjoy this podcast you feel like it gives you some value and you get something out of it I'd really appreciate it if you want to support it. But, you know, there's other ways to support the podcast as well. It's sharing it with your friends, of course, and leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts and, and, and places like that. It all helps support, support it, you know. And even if you don't do any of them and you just listen along and you get something out of it, then that is A-OK with me as well. So I just thought I'd let you know that's my Patreon page, which I'll include a link to in the show notes. So anyway, on to today's episode with Alex. There's just... I mean, especially these, because um, I use crystal bowls as well, but these uh, Himalayan bowls, they're just so warm and rich and they've got so many harmonics inside of them. They're just really just conducive to to putting you in a very, very nice, relaxed yeah. state. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was saying to you that I was listening to... Um, your uh, golden ratio frequencies oh, yeah. track this morning like, for two hours and I just put it on because what I like to do is before I'll um, I sit down and, and speak with my guests is like I'll do a bit of research and I'll be reading mm-hmm. and writing a few notes but this was perfect it's quite rare that I can actually listen to what someone's done in the background oh excellent yeah and yeah I think I actually need a bit more listening to that at the moment <laughs> I think it's um, yeah, life can be pretty intense, can't it? And yeah, absolutely. Throw up a few surprises when you don't expect it, and um, the more we can do to just ground, yeah, and, and, yeah. and c- come into our body a bit more, rather than just be in the thoughts all the absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. It's sort of putting it. It's weird because it's sort of putting yourself outside of yourself, but also more inside of yourself it's like a paradox isn't it it's like 
you know, you're, you're connecting something that's inside of you that's actually bigger than what you think you are. And sound is just, it's such a good um, conduit for that. Really, really, it's, uh, um, I mean, I find with sound, it's, it's so good as an art form and music and sound that can touch you in such a deep, uh, a deep way that no other art form can touch. And, um, you know, I think that's fundamentally, because when you look at, you know, you take apart what, what sound is, you know, sound is just the movement and vibration of atoms. And then you see that everything is made up of, of atoms. And so nothing is ever motionless or solid as it seems, you know. So the movement of these atoms vibrating is literally vibrating your your atoms. So it's like getting you in a, in a really like at your core that no other, you know, that paintings are beautiful and you can read words that are beautiful. You can see something that's beautiful. But the sound, it's got the the ability to really make you feel in a way that other art forms um, can't do as well as, as sound and music. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You know, you make you laugh, can make you cry. Absolutely. Just out of nowhere, like, mm-hmm. you know, you go and watch a great film without the music. Yeah. It wouldn't have nowhere near the emotion to it. Whether you go back and think about, you know, you could go back to, e- to, to E.T. or, mm-hmm. you know, anything, Star Wars, all these great ones. If you take away them tracks, and Jaws, <laughs> for instance. You yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's magic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when you say that about um, that really resonates with me, and I think with, with everyone, because you could definitely wait with. So when you hear, say, a musician passes away, mm-hmm. they seem to have more of an impact on people than if it's some... Even like a movie star, other stuff, oh, yeah. because you and then all of a sudden, like David Bowie passed away a few years ago. All of a sudden, all the music's back out, mm-hmm. and everyone can take them back to certain times when they listen mm-hmm. to it, whether they were kids or family, any loads of stuff. And yeah. what a what a career choice, what a path <clears throat> to go in your life. Yeah, sure. To to do this, to share it, yeah, and. Yeah. And to bring joy, basically, to people's lives. Absolutely, life. yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, music is such a... It's like a time machine. It's like a time capsule. You know, like you said there, it's like you can hear a piece of music and instantly you're feeling the feelings that you felt when maybe that... You know, maybe you've heard that music for the first time or, you know, it can really be like a window into a specific time of, of your life, which is amazing. It's so amazing yeah. it does that. It's so... Yeah, like magic. It really is. It's great. Mm. Total time capsule. Mm. So how did it? How did it all start for you then? Getting into music is it? You know, oh. obviously just following influences when you're young. Yeah, I guess so. Evolved. I mean, when I was really, really young, like talking like seven, eight years old kind of thing. I used to. My, my mother's Spanish, and I used to go and visit my family in Spain a lot in the summers. And it started there, I guess. Really, my. Um, my cousins, my older, much older cousins, they would sort of pass me on music and cassettes and stuff, which, you know, it's the embarrassingly shocking music at the time, you know, like they were all into sort of like hair metal and Guns N' Roses and all that stuff. And so, you know, that was my first kind of foray into, into music 
well, I guess maybe even earlier than that, you know, my, my mother would be playing records and stuff in the house and I was really young, like Simon and Garfunkel and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, as I got into my teenage years, um, my sister, who's a bit older than me, she would pass me down stuff from that time. So, you know, we're talking like the 90s. So it's like grunge and things like that and Nirvana, which absolutely, that's where I really started to change my life. Um, where, you know, suddenly you had these musicians that were, you know, they weren't polished. They weren't kind of like, um, you know, like just made from an industry or something. They were just real, there was sincerity, it was in sincerity. I guess that's what I sensed as a youngster. You, you, you feel the sincerity there. And you realise that, you know, punk rock comes comes into your life and you're like, oh, you know, I, I can do this. It looks easy. They don't even know how to play their instruments properly. Like, that's that's great, but they make it feel so alive and amazing. And so, yeah, as a teenager, I started getting into punk rock and these older punk kids where I was growing up. They kind of took me under their wing and sort of, you know, oh, here's how you do bar chords. I just need those three notes, that's it, and you can be in a band sort of thing. It was amazing. Um, and so, yeah, I started playing in bands from being a teenager, and and then really that just sort of completely took over my life. Um, and as soon as I left school, which I didn't really get along with school that well, I went to college and studied music for a while because I didn't know what else I wanted to do, but I thought I loved music. Um, I didn't really get on with college that well either. Um, and then studied playing in bands like touring and stuff like that and you know a bit naive and a bit full of yourself like oh, I don't even need college anymore I've made it I'm in a band and we've got a record coming out and we're going on tour and you know you look back now you're like that's that's a shocking idea it's like <laughs> no money no no uh no comforts anything like that um so yeah I did that for a really long time and sort of built up more and more through there eventually played in some band that you know did relatively well considering as a small band could do touring around Europe and such came to Manchester ended up joining a, a, a collective in Manchester we're called Nod it's been going for a long time and that's been doing considerably well we've toured a lot and since I've been in the band for like nearly seven years or so put out so many records and toured all over the place I've been all over been to Europe, I've been to America, I've been all over the place with it, which has been amazing. But um, it's also very stressful because you're you're living on this sort of fringe of society almost, especially if you've ditched everything else to go full steam with intent into this. Um, so yeah, it's pretty stressful. And as time had gone on, you know, I started to more align with the awareness of what the music was for me, why I play music, you know, what it does for me for that hour I'm on stage when you're in the zone. What is that that I'm getting at? What, you know, why do I do that? And uh, I found it to be a real, real um, exercise in de-stressing or escapism or something along those lines. And so my own music outside of all of that, that I made on my own, that started becoming a much more uh, kind of transportative 
a meditative affair. And uh, my partner, who's, she's now my wife, my partner at the time, she, uh, she sort of pointed out to me, oh, you know, it sounds a lot like meditation while you, while you play music, right? So that kind of led me on another path where she was like, you know, you should, you should look into meditation. So I started meditating, which then, you know, whole feedback loop, the music starts to become informed by, more by, by that, and the meditation starts to become informed by the sound, so it's this two-way parallel um, relationship. And so, uh, yeah, this is quite a long story, I'm, I'm aware, but it, it is going somewhere. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so, yeah, I keep playing in bands and I keep playing in music and having this sort of hour of transcendence on stage uh, in complete trance and, and th enthrall enthralled by it. And um, eventually I have a friend in, in, uh, in London really good friend of mine Mark, Mark Wagner and he uh, he said to me have you ever heard of sound healing and he would always come up with these you know have you ever done this have you ever done that really strange bizarre interesting avenues so he said to me one day have you, have you ever heard of sound healing like, no I haven't and he said well it's kind of what you do you know you, you do sound healing with your music it's what you're doing um but you know, people do it as a, it's a, like a thing, you know, and they do it with gongs and bowls and stuff. And you should, uh, you should really look into it. I think, you know, you, you probably really vibe off it. And so he said, oh, wait a minute, I'm gonna, God, he went into the back, and brought me out this book, which I brought along with me, because it really is amazing. And he brought me this book called The Mysticism of Sound and Music. And uh, it's by a Sufi of the name Hazrat Inyat Khan. And this, uh, this guy, he traveled to uh, the West, to America, in the, I think it was like the 19, it's the 1900s, or like early 20th century, um, or mid 20th century. And he wrote this book, he was a Sufi, and he was kind of responsible for, for bringing the concept of the healing power of sound to the West. Um, and so I read this book and it completely blew me away. It was enlightening. It, uh, it also was really good at kind of re-establishing my thoughts and ideas and what I hadn't been able to, you know, put two and two together before. Um, and he seemed to do it so beautifully of why I play music and what music means to not just to me but to universally really, um, and so I thought, I oh, this there is something in here. And then the next time I was in London, the same guy Mark he says, hey, my friend Lani, she's a sound healer and she's doing a sound bath uh, in Hackney. We should probably go to it. Have you ever been to a sound bath? Like, no, I haven't. So we go to the sound bath and, and unfortunately we'd missed the sound bath, but they were all hanging out with all the equipment set up. And, um, and we just spent all night hanging out with them and I, had, I was asking lots of questions and then eventually, you know, plucked up the courage to be like, can I, can I have a go on your instruments? And then it just turned into this sort of freeform jam exploration on gongs and bowls and voice. And it was really something. And Lanny 
uh, at the end of the, the night line, he said, hey, you know, you, you, you've got a real kind of feeling for this. Have you ever thought about, about uh, being a sound healer? And they say, well, kind of thought about it a bit recently. So, yeah, with their encouragement, you know, I took a few years to get around to doing it. You know, I was touring a lot and was busy and, and whatnot. And, you know, your own confidence, you sort of can convince yourself that, oh, no, I can't do these things or whatever. So I went through a bit of that until eventually a couple of years ago, after lots of research, I decided, you know, there's no other time than now, really. I've got to do this because, you know, the, the music is great. I love playing music. But really, how sustainable is this? And this way seems pretty much more sustainable. Um, it's helping others. I've witnessed other people make careers out of it. And, you know, there's nothing worse than having an idea to do something, not doing it, and then seeing that idea be executed by somebody else perhaps even better than you could or not as good as you could do and that's even more frustrating so I thought you know enough is enough I, I need to do this so I did my research and um, uh, speaking to Lani and various other people I decided to study at a place called the British Academy of Sound Therapy and I decided to go with them there's lots of different schools out there but they've got a very good reputation and they have a lot of research into, they're sort of more focused on consciousness and brain and brainwave activity and the sound, how that relates to that. So although they recognize other areas that other schools teach more with energy points and chakras, which are, I believe are completely legitimate things. Uh, I really liked BAST, as they're called. I really liked their, um, their approach to research on the on the brain and how that's interlinked with the sound and i think it gives it a bit more of a legitimacy i would i would say in today's world which i think is really good and so yeah i did a two-year program with them which i just completed in december i uh, got a distinction in that well done was, yeah thanks it was a lot of work it completely took over my life for two years but it was amazingly transformative and really just so enlightening um, and a wonderful journey and then that's where I am now so I'm, I'm, I'm here now doing this yeah <laughs> quite a journey then the it was quite a years. journey yeah uh -huh. yeah um, I don't know where to, how to start unpicking that really. <laughs> <laughs> to delve into it just that well first of all it pops into the book mm -hmm. as soon as you showed me that I started thinking about the Beatles yes mm -hmm. and George Harrison oh yeah and I watched an amazing documentary with him recently it must be like about four hour long one. oh it's the Martin Scorsese yeah. one yeah it's brilliant it's oh, so good I was just like wow what an incredible human being absolutely and yeah and he you know I think you can probably have You'd be given quite a lot of credit actually for bringing pulling a lot of that mm. um, that knowledge for sure. into the West. Absolutely. And now obviously they the whole Beatles was with Maharishi mm -hmm. when he brought him over and, mm -hmm. and everyone was, you know, behind transcendental meditation mm -hmm. and but then of course George just wanted to keep delving into that and I think in that in that documentary, in that film, you really see him and actually I don't even know if it is him, but <laughs> someone that looks very much like him. 
Um, yeah, it's just, it's so true. It's so, so powerful. Yeah. And as you say, such healing benefits from it. And as you said, with your course you're doing, um, people, and what I'm seeing it now with a lot more people, people want the science to back stuff up. Absolutely. You know, otherwise it can just be, consider it's woo-woo or, mm-hmm. you know, some mystical um, thing. And, and maybe that's more accepted in other parts of the world mm-hmm. because that's it's just ingrained. But for here, because we've had such a scientific background for the past couple of centuries. Mm-hmm. So I follow someone called uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh, yeah, I know this guy. And yeah. I went down to, I did a podcast, and I actually went down to London and did one of these one-day workshops. And it's amazing how, because science, since, since Einstein and quantum physics and stuff from the 40s, 50s, people seeing how you know how much deep deep it goes oh, yeah. and how much that's actually backing up a lot of the the what the mystics would say yes. centuries ago yeah, yeah absolutely so it's kind of you know it, it's, it's merging kind of full circle and then you know yeah. instead of science and religion and spiritualism it's like the two that they're all intertwined and uh yeah as you said we've just been on a on a path for so long as a as a civilization of almost detachment from from spirit and so yeah we do it's like we need that science to kind of legitimize what's already been known for forever (laughs) and it's so interesting because the more the more science delves into things the more weight it's giving to these concepts which have been around for centuries you know millennia so yeah yeah, so eventually people won't necessarily need to believe the science as much because it'd be like, well, it's just re- reconfirming all the things that have already been said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're in an interesting times and very challenging times. I think because things are so challenging, it's pushing people to have to, you know, seek out, you know, for instance, what you're doing, Absolutely. yoga, meditation, mm-hmm. even just being out more in nature more because the way we're living in the world was so heady, so disconnected. Mm-hmm. And it's a dangerous path. It is. It, you know, and maybe and it seems like a lot. Just don't even don't think that's okay. It's it's it, that's the thing. That's the issue. I think it's become accepted to be so stressed and on that hamster mm-hmm. wheel, just constantly twenty four seven. Just the mind just phone us from one thing to the next, mm-hmm. thinking if we don't keep on going. We're gonna get left behind. Yeah, sure. And I think that's what it feels like. Even, even for me, even though I've done a lot of self inquiry, I still, I'm observing the mind. It's trying to chasing me and pushing me out of the present moment. Yeah, yeah. Because where am I actually going to? You know, it's it's all here and now, isn't it? Absolutely. And the more I can just you know bring myself present, and that's why what you're doing with that music, it can just ah. Uh, yeah. That's the that's the basic. That if I was to sum it up, it would be. Ah, <laughs> just that softness and brings you back and mm-hmm. I can feel like tingles through my body and mm. the energy you're talking about you know the atoms and the way things vibrating sure. that's what I'm feeling I'm feeling that vibrate absolutely yeah um, yeah there's a few things you, yeah, that's kind of making you think what you're saying there uh, I mean for one I guess the path that we're on is a as humanity at the moment it's it's just not sustainable it's absolutely not sustainable so um i think now more than ever it's really imperative to to uh 
become aware of that and also to sort of ask yourself, you know, what, what can you do? What is it that you yourself can do to, you know, answer the need of the time? And the need of the time is we desperately need to um, have more awareness. We need to have more connectivity. We need to have more um, consciousness raising activity. So that's another reason why um, I've decided more to go into this sort of sound area because anything that I can do to expand that consciousness, I'm going to do. Um, and so, yeah, with the sound therapy, I mean, it's been very interesting. I did a year of, of case studies with uh, clients, um, seeing clients every week for a year as part of my my uh, diploma and it's amazing how some people and I guess it's true for a lot of people where they really haven't done any kind of self-inquiry at all um, and I think there's sort of like maybe in this country anyway I feel like the term therapy has really like negative connotations and you know, if you say you're going to a therapist, then, you know, it's immediately, it's thought, oh, what's, what's wrong with you? Whereas that really shouldn't be the, the case. It's, it's, you know, you go to see a therapist so that you can not have things wrong with you, you know. Um, like, I've, I've been in America, my wife is American, and she was seeing a therapist in America for a while. The attitude there is completely different. You know, it's almost like what you don't see a therapist. Why wouldn't you go and see a therapist? You know, if anything, just to have that objective um, person to bounce your own thoughts and voice off. Um, and so the, the the therapy that I do with sound, it's it's a bit similar to to um, talk therapies. Uh, we have like a reflective talking process that bookends each sound session. Um, but really, I don't even need to know a lot of the details that uh, the clients come to me with. It's more intuitive and client-based. So it's all based on how they're feeling physically in the body, how they're feeling emotionally and mentally, and how they can connect that to uh, what it is that they feel is impeding flow in, in, their, in their life. So what I found when I was doing these these case studies is that there were some people who had been to hadn't had any therapy at all and they absolutely loved it there was others who'd been to various different types of therapy all their life and the sound therapy they really uh, resonated with it in a in a big way where they were like wow blown away like I'm getting so much out of this more than I've had with any other therapy form and really I feel like I'm not really even doing that much for them it's like I'm just holding the space for their own exploration and so through that you realize that you know you have all the answers yourself within you for any issues you have the answer is all on you and so looking at that on the on the microcosm of yourself um yes it's good to look at yourself and have self-inquiry but the macrocosm it's also you know we tend to worry so much about all these things that are far beyond our capabilities of, of sorting out and really we shouldn't really sweat it so much because you don't have to worry so much about those if you start if you start with just you you know that's the the primary place to start 
and it's not in a selfish way at all you know when I say this to some clients and they kind of feel oh you know I feel like it would be selfish of me though to do to just concentrate on myself and I think it's the least selfish thing you could do it's like really selfless actually because having yourself be the best that you can be is the best that you can be for everything else and everyone else exactly um so yeah i think now is kind of more imperative than ever that that people really start to to have some sort of self-inquiry we're all looking outside of ourselves for answers for external sources and you know whether that be through addictions or compulsive behaviors or um relationships we're all looking externally when really it's all in you you have to start within yourself at the beginning otherwise you know if i think it was ram das once said something like the best that i can do for you is to help myself and the best that you can do for me is to help yourself and that's that's kind of that's kind of true yeah I'm not sure where we were in the on, on an answer to your, to your Do you know question. What? I went on a no, bit this of a is, tangent. This is, no, this is good because I actually wrote the name Ramdas down here. Because oh, brilliant! I noticed that you'd shared it recently on your feed. About, oh, yeah. and obviously he passed away on the 22nd of December. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a good friend who was actually in the mill. She she passed on. She used to send me like videos to him. This is going back like 2012, 2013. I'd, I'd watched him a little bit, but it just wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd always see his quotes everywhere. But then in November last year, for something inside me, whatever it was, I was just absorbing hours upon hours of Ramdas yeah. every day. Yeah. Listen to his story. And even the latest stuff, and there's a great album on Spotify, which I'll put in the show notes, of all musicians, like, um, well, loads of different cool musicians that have done sound overlaying yeah, his stuff when he's yeah, yeah. in his um in his later years so mm-hmm. he's speaking a lot slower <laughs> um but yeah he's just i don't even know where i'm going with this on ramdash but like oh yeah well you were saying yeah the best thing you can do is you know is to you know to help yourself because self-care is so important yeah absolutely for instance people who like who give a lot of time to it was maybe the, the recurrer Mm-hmm. Or they, you know, very, you know, it, it appears from the outside like they're just putting everything on them. But if they're not looking after themselves, not putting them in a good place, are they showing up for that person as best as they can? Will they be exactly what that person needs? And mm-hmm. and it, with Ram Dass even he, once he had his stroke, he said all of a sudden he went from this thing of he was a giver kind of bit of his life to actually having to receive yeah. a lot. So he had to play that role. Um, and then he'd, he'd notice in his mind like he had to just surrender in a way for people changing all sorts of stuff even when he learned to eat again it would be, be like dribbling everywhere yeah. and he said it was an amazing lesson for him to to see that well yeah it go it goes it goes both ways and, mm. but he'd certainly he certainly deserved it for the amount of good he'd done <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah, I noticed with him because he he was a psychotherapist wasn't he and he That's was right. a bit very high up in Harvard and then mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I think it was Tony Leary or someone. Timoth- Timothy, Timothy Leary, yeah, who um, introduced him to psilocybin mushrooms, and then, and then I remember him um, him talking about it. Might have been his first experience of how they were at, at Timothy's house, and even I think to even Timothy's son was their younger son, and a few of them had taken it in the kitchen, and and Ram Dass was like, 
well, there's too much noise for me. I have to go and go into the into the bed into the into the lounge. And he said, I'm gonna sit down. And he he goes, it's okay, it's all right. He was totally like experiencing something he'd never seen before. And he's like, it's okay, I'm still here. And then he looks down, and his body had disappeared. <laughs> and he's like, oh my god. He goes and gets up and goes and looks in the mirror, and there's no one looking back in the mirror. <laughs> and he's like, oh no, I've really done it this time. I've gone so far. But them experiences that that moment or probably multiple experiences has then shifted him to fly off in a completely different direction yeah, to be like because you, even though you're talking about um, like therapy and how amazing it is mm-hmm. and he realised that even to some extent of um, talking therapy this, he was still saying well there's limitations to this Absolutely. because wow you know and, um, and he pushed him off to go explore India and then he, he found his guru and there's also a thing around gurus isn't there in the west People don't, there's this such this push towards individualism mm-hmm. and the idea of someone having a guru, people are, a, there's a bit of a... There's a bit of a resistance to it. There is a resistance yeah. to it, isn't there? But when you realise, like Ram Dass says, he says, you know, everyone's our guru. You yeah. in front of me here is my guru. The postman, when I'm opening the door for him, he is a reflection of that. And good and bad, as soon as you, you might be in the car and someone cuts you up, there again being a test for you there's a really nice I think it must be a Ram Dass quote again that I really like that's sort of linked with sound and and I think it's an extension of that where he says you know once you learn to listen everyone is the guru which I love that yeah it's so true yeah I mean with with that in mind um, the sound therapy I work with the 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 BAST method the British uh, British Academy of Sound Therapy their, their method of therapy they use this this process called the um, the five R's of experiential processing. It's a bit of a mouthful, um, but that basically works on resonance, resistance, release, uh, responsibility, and uh, I can never remember this uh, reflection, of course. Um, and so, when I was working with clients, uh, part of my coursework was I had to sort of note where they had felt resistance, where they'd felt release, where they'd felt resonance. But I also had to do that for each session. I had to do that for myself as well. So then it was really, like you're saying, everyone is the guru. You really, you find out so much about yourself as well. And you realize it's really, everything is a, everything is a feedback loop. You know, you say something to somebody, then they react from that. And then you have that reaction from, from that and so forth and so forth so really if you're if you learn to listen you can really find out so much more about yourself and others which is yeah just what Ram Das is, is saying and, and I love how Ram Das he's really good because I feel he's very easy to understand he's very humorous so warm and um, yeah I just I just love his uh his his words they're, they're fantastic and I use them a lot in my radio show actually I kind of weave them into into the music because um, as I say I even see they're using the, the the radio show I even see that as a way of um, conscious consciousness expansion in a more subtle way so I'm sure people will listen to it and they'll think oh this is nice and relaxing and that's great but even if there's one person who actually you know say if there's a Ram Das thing going on in there and they hear what he's saying and they really along with the music and you have this em- em- emotive response to that too then 
you know, it's a way of subtly kind of just a little nudge in the right direction of <laughs> yeah. so yeah, thank thank Ramdas a lot for that. Oh yeah, it's just the the magic that came through and what I liked about him as well is how authentic he was yeah. and vulnerable as well. Because I think often you can get people and you, they can be put on this pillar and it can feel a little bit like for some like they're the enlightened ones yeah. and this is, it almost becomes like followers. Yeah. And Ramdas it didn't appear like he wanted any followers as such. He was just, people would show up and yeah. and he would talk, but he would talk about, you know, the challenges in his own life and Absolutely. the stuff that comes up for him and I think the more of us that can take that as that's real teachings mm-hmm. for us to be more authentic and to be vulnerable. Completely. Because I think if, if we just see people externally as if they've got it all together and they're in a position of wherever, and if you're struggling in your own life and you've got stuff wrong with you, it can give you that feeling like, I'm never going to be able to get there because I'm wading through all this mud each day and my thoughts are killing me and feel like all sorts of issues. But Every single one of us, all seven billion of us, whether you're homeless or you're a billionaire or whatever position you're in, this you know this life, this earth school is is tough. Yeah, it is tough. I heard a great quote once that you know down here is like we're getting our master's degree, <laughs> just just being alive now. Yeah, and um, so so yeah, so yeah, I'm grateful for Ramdas and all, all the people. And I love like I said to you, I only came across him properly in November, mm-hmm. and then he passes away a month later. And then it, I found that really, really interesting that I kind of had absorbed loads of stuff while he was still here on the earth plane. And now you can still absorb just as much, but um, in a way, but it was, that was a, it was a nice reflection for me to, to, to take that on board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why he's such a, he's such a great teacher in a way, because he has this humility about him and, you know, he's sharing his learning process with, with you and then you, through that, you kind of find resonances within yourself and it's a really good, um, it's a really good les- uh, lesson to sort of grow empathy, really, which is, I think that's in dire need these days. There needs to be so much more empathy in the world, you know, mm. of kind of really understanding, like you said there, whether you're the homeless guy on the street or the billionaire in the, in the tower like at core you're all the same yeah. and we all have the same emotions and feelings and worries and and anxieties and just different levels of um, experience you know uh, or different filters we're all having these experiences through our own filter but really I think there just needs to be more resonance in the world of, yeah. of finding where where we're alike because I think there's much more that connects people than what separates us absolutely and it's that, that connection, isn't it, that if we can, and I'm seeing it a lot more, if we can move towards that, rather than that feeling of competition, mm-hmm. that dog-eat-dog, which has sort of been ingrained for the past few hundred years from, say, certain, you know, uh, philosophies of what thinking, you know, survival of the fittest, when actually that's getting dispelled now, but it takes a while for them beliefs to sort of wash away. Sure. And if we can move into that place of collaboration and connection mm-hmm. and... I think you were saying about you know you becoming a musician early on. You were on the kind of the edge, the peripheral of society. You're kind of making it up as you go along. You're not thinking, you know, buying a house or a mortgage, getting a steady job. You're you know floating through, and there's a level of that's really brave as well to do that. But like you say, there's a level of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's that people are seeking that alternative way of living because they're seeing 
the idea of being locked up on a 30 year mortgage yeah. with working till the 65 with the hope of some sort of pension as if at that point that's when life's going to be good for you mm-hmm. and then you probably get to that point and you're like hang on a minute what I've just I've wasted the past 30 years to get to this point and almost sold a bit of a lie mm-hmm. to keep you in the, in the machine a little bit mm. and where I'm going a bit of this I'm seeing a lot more people looking for living in co-housing spaces mm-hmm. living in community mm-hmm. working less not needing to earn as much mm-hmm. because their income and the spend they don't need as much because they're not looking to just keep up with the Joneses they don't mm-hmm. need the next car they don't have to change it every two years they're not thinking you know because that's that is exhausting yeah. I I have been on that path and in that path and thankfully probably through the form of meditation for me to be able to almost stick my head above the clouds for yeah. a bit mm-hmm. and seeing hang on a minute what what have I been doing for the past 10-15 years there's a different way because if I continue this way I'm just I heard a great quote once that even if you win the rat race you're still a rat <laughs> so you know what what's where's the end game yeah and and that's the thing it's like well I want to enjoy where I am now mm. I don't want to wait till I've got X amount of money when I'm at some point in the future it's like it's bringing me back to here now so yeah the idea of community and and living more off the land and I'm really interested in permaculture mm-hmm. you know you just there's something just feels so nice about it and grounding everything what you're doing it's mm-hmm. all it's all ties into that alternative but it's going to eventually become the mainstream yeah, it has absolutely. to mm-hmm. if it doesn't then everything's probably just going <laughs> to We'll see, because you know, look at the world at the moment. We've got the fires mm-hmm. in Australia. We've got you know very uncertain political landscapes. Everything seems like it's on the edge. Sometimes I wonder how it even just continues. Yeah. How, how is it? Everything. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I kind of feel it's um, we as a collective. We need to make those changes, and if we don't, then you know hello the the world's going to change it for us so then we're going to start seeing more of these things like the fires in australia and and uh, but but you know um and not to be like a, it's not a doom and gloom thing at all i think kind of again it's it's mistaken intellect where we're looking at the outside the external rather than looking at what's really going on where it might seem like, oh, this is the worst of times it's ever been. But in actual fact, I really don't think it is. It's like everything is becoming so much more into immediate awareness. And, you know, you have things like, say, the Me Too movement, where, you know, you could be like, isn't this terrible that we live in these times where this is going on and there's all these men doing these terrible things? It's like, well, you know, that's always been going on. It's been going on forever. Now we're talking about it now it's out in the open and it's our mistaken intellect to think that that's bad oh it's it's bad because it's it's in our immediate um, perception but that's 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 where it's changing that's how change happens you know you can't change unless you confront the things that need to be changed you know um so yeah, saying I work with resonance and and resistance. So that's like a form of, of resistance right there. And, you know, 
another thing I found with the sound therapy is, you know, the, when clients are having resistance, it might not feel very nice for them, but they soon realize, well, that's the direction you need to be concentrating on. Because without the resistance, you're not going to have any kind of release from it. You're not going to have any any change. You need to confront that for for change to happen. So resistance is is the pathway to transformation. And I think that's kind of I feel that that's what we're feeling right now. It's like politically, you know, what's happening in our country here, in in America, and lots of other countries. You know, that's just a big mirror being held up to us to be like, well, this is just a reflection of what we've been doing for time memoriam right now. So, you know, if we continue going in this way, it's going to be more like this. Trump is like, you know, he, he is like a huge reflection of all the bad side of of America. And, uh, you know, if anything, I think it's maybe positive that he is the president of America right now because he's the, he's the need of the time. They need to see that that's how bad it is to make a change, to ignite the spark, you know, the spark to ignite the fire to make radical change. Yeah. And I say radical change, but it doesn't even have to be that radical, you know. You start from like we said earlier from yourself you start with you what can you do immediately in your surrounding in your life in your immediate surroundings to make a, a change and from then on that ripples you know it has a vibration and it ripples out and you you know I kind of have this um, this idea now to be to live life as an exemplar you know so I'm not perfect but I'm going to be an example of trying to live my life as consciously and as best as I can. And if other people can see and recognize that, then that's a beginning of some form of change and transformation for whoever needs to see it. Exactly. So, And even if it's just one other person yeah. that sees it. Mm-hmm. And even if it's no one, but you're the one that is holding yourself to high ideals, you're going about the world, trying to just this simple acts of kindness mm-hmm. you know saying please and thank you more just sure picking some litter up anything that you feel is going to make the world a better place and even if it's just so small mm-hmm. it's an act absolutely and i think that yeah it's so um it's so true it's beautiful it's really i'm really enjoying this conversation <laughs> i'm barely even looking at my notes <laughs> and you've even what i love about them as well is when i sometimes i do these and i've had it i feel on a few occasions you just naturally just start talking about the things that I was going to ask. It's <laughs> great. And they're here just like a, as you say, it's just a, you know, it's just that plugged in, connected. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it's, re- it's really interesting. So where are you at now then in terms of, so you have, you've got your diploma. Mm-hmm. You can be a practicing sound healer. Yes. And what kind of what kind of things are you doing? Are you working on a one-to-one basis? Are you yeah. doing events? So at the moment I'm working, I'm doing a combination of one-to-one uh, therapy. So I'm seeing clients on a one-to-one basis and doing actual therapy with them. Um, uh, but I'm also doing sort of group workshop events. So, you know, doing sound baths and gong baths in various venues and in yoga studios and, and things. And that's, really powerful and can be very transformative it's it's not as 
deep as a one-to-one session obviously because you're in a a group but it's still a lovely shared experience and um, so I'm doing that I'm also doing I do sort of semi-regularly this uh, drone yoga with a, a friend of mine who does what she calls drone yoga so she's uh, she's a yoga teacher and she's doing a yoga class where normally her regular practice is with a playlist of of sort of ambient music and neoclassical music and this sort of you know more meditative sounds and they do yoga to that and then once it's sort of maybe once a month um i'll come and i'll do a live soundtrack to that with my synthesizers and and crystal bowls and voice and samples and make kind of like a, a live soundtrack to to their yoga practice and then we finish that with a gong bath which is really great um so i do that as well and then i'm still continuing to do music with the projects i play in with nods um my own music uh, i do my radio show once a month which is it's all kind of the radio show is sort of interlinked with the therapy and i run a little what i call a micro label so i release music um from artists who i kind of feel are making music of a sort of transportative nature um so yeah it's all all going on yeah i've got my fingers in lots of little pies yeah yeah <laughs> amazing that i feel like i can relate with that with the things that i'm doing currently in my life and some of the things i'm looking to go more into that's like we're moving away from the idea of just doing one thing yeah for eight hours a day in a certain block time mm-hmm. to the point where it might appear like it's all over the show and it's all firing off, but actually it's all just, it's a bit more I would associate with. Like how when you see a child and how it's just like that child wonder and creativity and one thing they're working on one thing or they're doing something and it's just, there's no, there's a beautiful, fl- when you see it from a certain point, there's a beautiful flow to yeah. it. And what you're doing, it's all, there's a core to it all. Yeah. But there's so many different, like, like arms and legs that can can come off it absolutely and the great thing with that it gives you much more flexibility for thinking where you're going to go and what you can do next Mm -hmm. without feeling like okay i'm in this band and that's all it's going to be if that doesn't work then i have to go and work in the supermarket sure you know that kind of all or nothing type thing but to be you know multiple things and maybe eventually some stuff i think what happens over time some older things just fall away as you've moved into a yeah absolutely I kind of like that as well because I feel that that's shows some kind of growth and evolution to what you're doing and which it's just completely natural you know it would be I feel it would be unnatural to do the same thing over and over again forever and ever and ever (laughs) you know life is change it's constantly change Um, and I've had my own issues with that you know where I've had to kind of um I had a lot of change when I was growing up, so I've had a lot of resistance to change in my life. And over the past few years, it's been a process that I'm still learning, you know, to go with change and sort of actually change is, is the, that's where things get exciting and keep you on your toes and alive. And, you know, and it's funny, as, as a child, I've craved a lot of time where I've, where I've craved the opposite of change and I've wanted things to stay the same. And then when I get that, I become so restless 
and that's where things start to get a little you know and and then you realize okay no actually change is going to happen no matter what you can't yeah. it's unavoidable so you can either resist that change or go with it sort of like a river if a river's flowing you know life is like the river and you're f you're going along stream with it and it's going down a direction for a long time and then all of a sudden it's going to make a turn and you don't know where that turn's going to go so you could try and resist the current which is never going to work and all you're going to do is get hit by loads of water and rocks and things or you can let go and trust trust in it and it's going to lead you in who knows where but once you once you take that opportunity to let go that's where it becomes interesting the unknown is the most interesting bit because then you've got an infinite amount of possibilities of where it could go and you can have some kind of I don't want to say control but there is some kind of you know you can have some um, involvement in where that goes you've got the paddle yeah yeah you've got the paddle but ultimately you're still in the river and it's yeah. going to go where it wants to go so yeah ride with it <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful analogy and it's so true isn't it you can just pick you know there's many times you've just been holding on yeah and you literally hold it and the tension and the and the pain from holding on just that you then hold in your body it's like ah and you always hear don't you people when they're close to death or the deathbed and they talk about some of the things that they regret mm -hmm. and think things they wish you do and if the more of us can just like tune into some of them things and like you say there just less less resistance because as you say we've got to if we want to have breakthroughs in our life we've got to go to the edge of our comfort zone yeah you know that quote is so like you know you've heard it loads of times but you know what's it freedom's on the other side of the comfort zone sure and we've got to push ourselves and often like you say a lot of us are resistant to change because we know we can get we can play things safe and things can become comfortable and the idea of something new sometimes we can charge after something because it's exciting Mm -hmm. But some other things might not. It might feel like oh, I've got too much to lose. Yeah. But but that's only because we we know what the past has been up to this point. But who knows how amazing the future can be? Absolutely. If we just let go and like you say that trust. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think I can look back at many times in my life where I think, wow, look how how that turned out. Yeah. Look at that point where at the moment at that time seemed like a really shitty thing to happen, or I really didn't want it to happen. But that moment, that's like that little bit where you're saying the river maybe is going to fork off in a different way. That sent me down that path. Yeah. That yeah, new yeah. life path. Absolutely. And um, yeah, and like you say, that's, that's the magic. Yeah, it's really funny because I, I often have to take stock, you know, things start getting a bit hairy in, in life and I start to get a bit worried, you know, just like everybody does. But then I really, I take stock and I kind of look back and I think, wow, all these other times where I kind of had this feeling and... I didn't know whether hundred percent, like literally one hundred percent of the time, it's worked out. Yeah. I'm here. I'm alive. You know, I'm relatively okay. Um, you clothed. You've got yeah, food. Yeah, one hundred percent of the time, it's 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 worked out okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you just need to remember that. I think it's also good to remember too that. Um, there shouldn't really be an end goal either because it, it doesn't end. It's like it's constantly going to change. So, you know, it's it's good to have a goal, but don't think that once you're there, that's it. You'll have made it. I've done it. 
because then the next thing is going to happen. The next change is going to be on the horizon. It just keeps on going. The next project. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it's important to actually enjoy the process. Absolutely. Because otherwise, if it's just as a start and a finish, and then it's another start and a finish, the start and the finishes, they really hardly any time at all. They're a few percent. It doesn't, there's a 95% you do in your course. For t- Some people could think, oh, I'm going to start this course, and then when I'm done this, I can start this. But you said it was a beautiful thing, you know, self-inquiry, yeah, expansion, transformation. And if you can enjoy all of that and be present for it, and, you know, we're not always going to be pe- present for stuff. And, mm-hmm. and it, I just thought it popped into me when you were talking about that, about the resistance to change. I think the way we live now, and that's why um, I, I think at some point we do need to make that shift in society, whether it's, you know, it's someone who's more like a Jeremy Corbyn or in America it's a Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. who is going to kind of create a system that's in place. So not just to support everyone because it, it need, but to have that, but to give people more of a, much more of a safety net. Mm-hmm. So the idea I'm really um, like encouraged and would love to push for, you know, universal basic income because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, at some point everything's going to technology, you know, mm-hmm. everything Robots in a very short time are going to do everything. All the cars, everything, all transport, taxi, everything, lorries, is all going to be done remote control. Yeah. So at some point, there's going to be potentially billions of people without without work. And I don't want to. And I don't even see. I don't even see this as a negative. I see this as an opportunity for people to finally have time to do the things that they want to do. Absolutely. Because I know most instance truck drivers, most of them <clears throat> considered to be some of the most unhealthy. Uh, people because they're stuck in a wheel for so many sure. hours you know they're not going to be able to have home cooked food and mm-hmm. sleep in the back of the thing so it can potentially free up their time but what we do need and I think there's definitely shoots of it and, and hopeful seeds of it that we can move into a, a place where society is yeah it can it can hold us a bit more and if people can have the basic income covered food, shelter, it gives them an opportunity to sort of Absolutely. really explore this world. You know, the idea of what this a Star Trek type of civilization, <laughs> you know? Because, you know, at some point money will evaporate because sure. we won't we won't need it or whatever that might look like. Um, so, yeah, I think, and at the moment, we live in a world where there's that lack of security. I think a lot of us can have that fear about money. Yeah. It's a big one I, I don't know anyone at some point you know I even remember hearing um, was it Will Smith who was getting interviewed by Oprah and he's you know must be tens of million pounds over yeah. but he says he was on there and he spoke really frankly about it he said he still wakes up in the middle of the night fearful that he's not going to have enough that's all going to go so and this is someone who makes 20 million a film <laughs> and but and his and Oprah was like, "What, really?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I think it's because of his childhood. Sure. And I think he made it when he was eighteen, made a million, and then he, he bankrupt and lost it all. So he's had that traumatic, amazing experience, but then a traumatic experience which these things go into the psyche, mm. and the ego doesn't forget very easily for stuff. And that's where we've got to take a bit of a, a step back. And I'm totally going off. Go off on a tangent, but I think it all it all links into the yeah, yeah. The, the story of this this interview and where it's going. Yeah, I mean, I think with the I I, I agree with the universal basic income or, or something along those ideas. Just a way to put put people on more of a level playing field, really. You know, and it should be a playing field. It should be playful. Life should be playful, and for so many people, it it isn't. It really isn't. And you know, just think how many people who are 
not given the opportunities that others have had who you know they could be we could have seen the next Einstein or someone but they're you know stuck in whatever place they're, they're, they're stuck at um, yeah and I think as well it's like people can say it's kind of naive maybe to think of these utopias and stuff but you know we've got to start thinking of utopias because literally all we've had the mass kind of I feel like the, the the mass consciousness is sort of I don't know why but it always seems more geared towards dystopia you know you look at you look at films and television and stories and basically people's imagination it seems to imagine a lot of dystopia um, and so I mean you look at like your iPhone and things like that that literally came about because somebody maybe you know a writer in Star Trek had written you know oh, we've got these handheld devices that you touch buttons and things and those kids watched that and thought wow what a great idea and then as they've grown up they've made that a reality so literally your mind creates your reality so if you're going to constantly think of dystopia it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy so you know we really need to start dreaming of the utopias because yeah because it needs to, it needs to happen in the way it's going it's, it's not sustainable so and it will happen it will um because the change is, change is, as I said, change is inevitable. So it is inevitable that it will change. And uh, whether that's for the better or the worse, it's almost, I mean, it's up to us, but it's almost um, not really even important. It's, it's going to change. So that's the one thing that's inevitable yeah and that ties into when we were discussing before and you mentioned about say for instance the Me Too movement mm -hmm. or whatever going on into you know seeing about the corruption in politics and banks and mm -hmm. we're living in a time now where because of there's so much access to information the lies or the deceit or anything like that it's got to come to the surface you know and that's why it can appear like oh no another thing another this has happened yeah but we have to get all this stuff out and we have to see it. And, and it's also a reflection for us to look at our own shadows mm -hmm. as well because we can say, oh, look at such and such as, you know, treating that. But we're not, we're not like, you know, we've got our own stuff to, to, to face and to look at yeah. in, in these times. So it can be, it's all a, it's all a beautiful reflection. Like we said before, everything is our guru or yeah, yeah. God or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, it's in interesting times yeah and I think it comes down to when you're talking about that idea of going down the stream we've got our own streams but we've also got the collective stream of a mm -hmm. of a town of a country of a, the world and there has to be a point where we kind of have to be like okay we have to surrender to this and trust I've spoke about it in this podcast before a guy who called Michael Singer who's written The Untethered Soul mm -hmm. as well as The Surrender Experiment and he's basically said he's just surrendered to to life and to the universe for 40 years and what an incredible journey mm -hmm. he said when things would show up it would show him that if he didn't want to do it it showed that he had resistance in him mm -hmm. and he had to work through that resistance and his life has just gone it's just been phenomenal lots of challenges but he said everything that just shows up to him it's like okay here's something else for me to learn Absolutely. another opportunity for my ego part of my ego <clears throat> to be to dissolve yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really good it's uh, because life is uh, it's, it's a set of experiences and it's good and it's bad it's everything in between and 
uh, you know, you have to accept those bad, the bad moments too. And as we said, everything is the guru, right? So it's it's about taking the higher value from any experience. There's always going to be a higher value to it. What can I learn from this experience? What is this showing me? And it's not, it's not sort of like why did this happen to me? It's like why did this happen for me? Yeah. There's going to be something in here that I've got to learn about myself or the grander scheme of things which is ultimately going to aid growth so and that's something that I'm um, going through a little bit in my own life in the moment they, they start this year so we got burgled about a week and a half ago <laughs> and like we were out and we get the phone call to say listen the police are in someone's broken into your house so we're coming home We've got a half an hour drive, we're thinking, first of all, we're thinking the cats. We've got two cats who are house cats. Are they okay? And then after that, we're thinking about a few things. Has that been taken? Has this been taken? So it's like there's a half an hour drive of completely going into the unknown, thinking, what am I coming home to? Mm. And I had a few moments of being like, okay, I'm going to try and surrender to this, surrender to this. But then I get pulled back into it and be like, come in. All the back windows were smashed. Glass everywhere throughout the house. We couldn't find one cat for for about an hour plus more, thinking, where's she gone? Has she got out? We live on quite a busy road. Is she going to get run over? You know, all the worst case scenarios. We had a few things started around the house. You know, they they swiped a few stuff. And and then, yeah, it's going through that process. And it's like, as you say, like, why is it happening to me? But actually, what, you know, it's not why is it happening to me? You know, why is it happening for me? And it's bringing yourself to that place and think, but then the chat, and then we thought we were getting back on our feet a bit, and then they attempted again, a few, a f- just a few days ago. They didn't come in; they ended up going to the neighbours instead, <sighs> and working away through their house, stole a car no and stuff. Way. So you're thinking, okay, I've just been shook because you know our homes are our safe you space. Feel, it's like a sanctuary. It's your absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the thought of someone trampling through your house. <sighs> And, te- and pulling all your stuff out that's really tested me it's really tested Ruth as well I'm like why you know you do and you can think why is this happening to me and to be honest the first time we weren't even angry with the people we kind of thought okay but second time I start to be like come on this is a bit much this now mm. so I can start looking at that well why is this happening the benefits of it all of a sudden all the neighbours we've become much more closer with all the neighbours mm been swapping phone numbers and it's not even just about oh you know the the security safety thing it's like it's just that human quality connection yeah that we've all got and sometimes it takes a crisis to bring more of us together yeah so and you know it's probably going to lead to us actually connecting more with the neighbors coming mm-hmm. around you know come around have a cup of tea and let's do this and do you know rather than and I talked before about this idea of building more community yeah. in my head I'd love to just move to some eco community <laughs> in Portugal or something, <laughs> yeah. would be lovely. But actually, I need to create that now. If I want to live in like that something in the future, then I have to create that community now and connecting with people. And even doing this, you know, I'm connecting with people. So even though idea of getting broken into and getting your, you know, your foundation show, shaken, I can see the benefits of it now. That doesn't mean at night, when I'm in bed and I hear a noise, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. thinking, shit, if they come back again... Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. But at some point, like I said before, sometimes 
we look back at a time and think that was really uncomfortable, but that pushed us. Like, for instance, we've been thinking about moving. This mm-hmm. could be the thing that actually gives us that push out the door sure. more so. Um, or anything. So, yeah, it's 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 seeing that, isn't it? And seeing seeing the lessons in it. Yeah. You might feel, at some points, I'm not quite thinking the blessings at the moment. <laughs> but, the, but the lessons. Absolutely. In it, and eventually, then lessons will turn to blessings. You're like, sure. okay, great. Uh-huh. But at the moment, the lessons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a really good way of looking at it. I mean, how much better is that to have that kind of feeling than just to feel all the negatives? Yeah. Which obviously, those negatives are getting robbed. It's not really a positive situation but yeah that's really great to have a at least that thing of positivity of something that that has come out of there yeah. it's not just been for, for nothing yeah yeah it's really good and <laughs> even when we first came home and it happened like we come back there was an amazing policeman in the house very calm my dad was there as well so for me to come back from thinking a place of thinking oh what's happened to have a, a really nice person, like in a police mm. officer, and there's also my dad, who's, you know, your father, and you know, someone who's looked after you. That feeling was that that support. I'm like, yeah. I'm supported here, you know. And it could have been so much. It could have been so much worse. Yeah, yeah. You know, we could have lost a cat. Something could have happened. It, you know, they could have tracked, and it didn't happen that way. So it's seeing seeing that stuff, but it but it is still also like. Uh, okay, but yeah, <laughs> we we move on. Um, you mentioned it before, and I thought it'd be worth mentioning. About. I'm interested to see how, um, just from my own perspective and my relationship. So you've your partner, yeah, well married now. They live in a different country, yeah, like yeah. An, another continent. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So that must be tough. It is tough. Yeah, yeah. It's my partner Destiny. Um, so yeah, we 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 met through um, an artist residency six years ago um, through uh, Islington Mill which is where I'm based and where you were once based as well um, there was an artist residency in Ibiza and so we met through there and then she was coming back to Manchester she's from New York well she's from Texas but she's lived in New York for 20 years plus um, and she was part of a, a dance collective an art collective called uh, Cheryl who uh, the Cheryl the party that will ruin your life it's really hedonistic great great fun like a queer sort of like the club kids from an extension of club kids from America um, uh, and yeah so she came to the UK to do a residency and ended up staying with me um, for the rest of that summer until her visa ran out and then you know, we just continued to have this uh, have this relationship. Um, but little did we know at the time that um, lots of sort of red tape in the way and the government at the time had changed the laws on immigration. So it then became a lot tougher for someone outside of the EU to uh, live as a spouse in the UK. So it becomes, uh, it's all sort of down to money and monetary requirements, which... It's all down to the British partner to meet, and as a musician, as I said, living on the on the fringes and just doing my thing, um, I didn't meet those re- requirements. So we've been sort of back and forth for the past six years. Um, you know, I spent some time in New York. She'll spend some time 
uh, in the UK. And so we've done that for, a, for well, it seems like forever now. Um, now, thankfully, we're sort of beginning to be in a position where where we may be able to apply for the UK spouse visa through the chain because it kept on going to human rights courts human rights cases um, because it's, it's it's a breach of your human rights basically you know an infringement of your personal life um, so it kept going to courts for that and then it, it went up to the high the, the European high court it's the highest court you can get to anyway <clears throat> so it went there a couple of years ago and they said, right, okay, you can keep your monetary requirement, but it's not quite fair, so you need to open up how that monetary requirement is met. So now we may be able to meet it through savings, uh, through some family helping us with things and sort of having some savings to go off. So that's very exciting. So I'm about to work on sort of putting a visa application together for that, but it's a really grueling process. But yeah, it's been... A very unique relationship very unique we might we got married in uh, 2016 when I was over in New York and we decided right let's, let's, let's do it let's just do it which was great we went to uh, New York City Hall and did that whole thing which was really funny it's like you get a little ticket as if you're at a deli counter and you wait for your turn and <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so it's been um, been a really enlightening relationship Again, just like anything, like we're talking about resistance um, and resonance and things like that, it's really can be very testing and you sort of really um, can see sides of yourself that maybe aren't so great. Um, but really, really good at kind of solidifying this bond. It's like a really strong bond. And, uh, you know, you kind of have to make effort to keep it working you know I guess what a lot of relationships maybe I don't want to say take for granted because that's maybe wrong because that's not really the way I want to look at it but there's definitely things that maybe relationships that when you meet somebody from your town or where you live immediately where you know you're just not aware of these these little nuances in relationships that you know that if you're in a situation like us you 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 don't get to experience that, you know, just the fact of like holding the hand or something is like, wow, that's amazing. Like when I'm with her, I was like, oh, I get to hold your hand and walk down the street with you. This is great. Or eat dinner together or, you know, wake up with each other and go to sleep with each other. It's, it's you know, these little things that, um, that are really amazing. If you've got that, like, great. It's so good when you've got it. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, it's sort of you really have to, um, yeah, kind of put a lot more effort into it than I guess you maybe usually would do, which I think is a positive. You know, I really do. I think it's kind of made us have this connection that's so much stronger than it maybe would have been otherwise. You know, and you really try and make the time count when you see each other. But it's a whole learning process, you know. Like I had to, for this um, for this visa application, I had to, you know, you've got to build like a timeline because you need to prove that we're a, a real couple, not just like a sham. So you have to build this timeline of the relationship. So that was very enlightening. And, wow. and very, um, I'm not sure if humbling is the right word, but it kind of 
made me see lots of times in the relationship I was like man I maybe wasn't so good at this time of our relationship like you know I made decisions and made choices that maybe weren't the best choices to make at that time so yeah big growth in and just doing that exercise was like a really enlightening process where I really felt very lucky like all of a sudden feeling very lucky that wow if stuck through this for a long time and that's pretty special you know six years yeah. of backwards and forwards um yeah i met one other person uh a couple of years ago when i was on tour and um i was doing a show in london and the head of our record label introduced me to this friend of his who was american and had a swedish i think he was swedish wife living in london and uh, it was like the same situation. And we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. There's somebody else who's like going through this. And that was so nice to like have this shared, this shared experience. Cause you know, not many people can, um, it's hard for them to relate to it, you know? Yeah. It's cause it's not the usual, it's not a usual situation. But yeah. Uh, yeah, she's she's amazing though. She's absolutely amazing. I'm I'm so glad that we've been able to keep it going this long. So, what's the longest time you've you've actually spent together in one chunk during them? Sort of uh, six months, I would say, is the longest together, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the longest apart has been the last few years because I guess it sort of relates to what we were talking about earlier. So. She was living in New York uh, in a really highly demanding job in Manhattan. She was working for a non-profit organisation uh, that helps underprivileged children learn music, learn how to play instruments. Really great, but so high demanding. So she was working non-stop, like constantly working. And then outside of that, she was doing her creative life with this art collective which was really, um, <laughs> really pushing things, you know, she's partying all night kind of thing and, you know, making these these really amazing experiences for people and just really not sustainable, you know, and New York's expensive, it's tough, it's amazing as well, it's absolutely brilliant, it's got everything you can imagine is there, but it can also really burn you out and... Um, so she'd been working so hard at this stuff and uh, she'd been meditating for some time. That's how I kind of went through that. She thankfully gifted me this, uh, this meditation practice. And um, through some kind of unfortunate events, her, her, she had some family members that kind of raised her and they passed away. But um, that kind of left through some sort of inheritance that left her some opportunity to really make a change in her life. So she left the job in Manhattan and decided that she wanted to become a meditation teacher. So she, yeah, she, uh, she left a job. She pretty much left the art collective and then she just went head first into the unknown. She traveled to India and she was, studying there for six months um doing this initiator training to be a meditation teacher um and so yeah we had a long time apart through that because obviously we communicate a lot 
through other means, you know, Skype, well, not so much Skype these days, but on the phone a lot through messages and things. And then all of a sudden it was completely cut off. So, you know, didn't see each other for a long time there. But she's gone through this huge transformation as well now. So really, really great and really amazing that our lives sort of seem to, even with the distance, there's these parallels of where we're both headed in a very similar direction. So pretty amazing, really. Yeah. So if you got sort of a bit of an image in your head or a timeline of when it could potentially be that she would move to Europe? Yeah, well, we're looking at the later half of, realistically, I guess the later half of this year, if I can get my finger out and kind of really get going on the applications. Um, so for the past, she, she, she qualified from her training a couple of years ago, and then the, for the next couple of years, she kept going back to assist on the course to help others um, through the process. And then she's been doing lots of various other amazing things like yoga teacher training. She's just been to a school for Ayurvedic uh, nutrition and cooking, which is absolutely amazing as well. So she's becoming this real powerhouse of, um, of uh, health and, uh, <laughs> and uh, personal growth, not just for herself, but it's stuff that she can, you know, give to other people, which is fantastic. So yeah, she's right now she's in India again on this um, training program. So we're kind of looking, she'll be finishing there in April. So we've kind of been looking through that time to sort of get the process on the go. It takes a few months, it's a really long process and okay. it's a lot of red tape. And even then we kind of have to ask ourselves, you know, do we really want to be in the UK even because uh, it's only last for, the visa only lasts for two and a half years and then you have to go through this whole process all over again. Know, which is very expensive and so what at what point does it turn into residency uh five years five years and you can apply for permanent uh permanent residency yeah yeah it's it's full on isn't it it's very full on it's interesting though i think when it does happen for you how it would actually be for you to to live together it's gonna be very strange (laughs) you know know, it'd be at some point as as we do we get we get used to stuff and yeah. then the things that you talk about like and it's great when you say that because it makes me feel like about me having been more appreciation for the simple things like being able to hold someone's hand giving mm-hmm. them a hug each night but you know all that sort of stuff but it'll be interesting once then things just become normal and then you've gone from it's like flipping a switch really yeah. it could potentially be but i'd imagine you'll you'd be like okay we need to still have some space and boundaries yeah this because sure. it's been a very you know unique yeah, unusual yeah. Uh-huh, circumstances uh-huh. so yeah and I kind of feel if we've got through like six years so far of this then I think we're sort of on the right track to becoming partners to meet absolutely whatever other challenges will undoubtedly come on the way as relationships do you know and they say because you're both you know you're both going for your own transformation at the moment and it's almost like you're going through that because you need that space in your own lives mm-hmm. to be fully in that and committed yeah. for when you do come you've kind of you know not say you've completed stuff but you've gone through a big shift to the point where you know it's set up for you to be you know going ahead with this because you never know like you've seen before the amount of things that you've you know radio you're doing that you just finished the two years of your diploma mm-hmm. you're in a band you're doing all these therapies and other things it might you know 
maybe once you t- you know you're in that place some of them things you get well you know I need to be com- more time needs to go into the relationship than absolutely some of the creative endeavours yeah and I kind of feel I'd be very thankful for that right now too <laughs> <laughs> you need a break from it all yeah amazing <laughs> yeah. no it's really interesting to hear that because um, me and Ruth you know we grew up five miles apart wow so and then you know I'm five years older and mm-hmm. we met in some nightclub and it just so happened that I was studying at Salford and my th- going in my third year and she was just about to start there in her first year so yeah you know destiny for us even though and your partner's got destiny <laughs> um, so yeah that that's um it's just it is interesting to hear that because it's yeah, it's good to get your take on it and how you can be so grateful and appreciative yeah. for the small things in life. Oh, absolutely. Something I'll touch uh, I'll just mention it because in the books that I've been reading, the Michael Singer books, he, he he talks about stuff. Imagine if what you were doing now, so imagine now even if, well, this was your last day or it was the last time that I was going to see someone important in my life. Last time I was going to do that, I, you know, there was just a day left of it. Imagine how much you would appreciate that day. Oh man, yeah. And that interaction with that one person, mm-hmm. and all that other stuff, all the other things, you'd be like, "No, that matters." I'm just going to be hearing that now. If we can take that lesson into just like imagine, I think it was some. Um, I can't remember the the actual Buddhist monk, his name, but and I think it was actually a story from Ram Das that he spoke about that this. Buddhist monk lived his life as if there was a dagger just hanging above his head yeah. and at any moment he would die because it's true at any moment we, we don't we don't know we might think oh I'm living a healthy life now I'm going to be 80, 90 well into my hundreds but you just never know you, mm-hmm. you never know what your soul plan is at what point you're going to depart this mm-hmm. so if we can live like that but not in a negative way oh it's the last you know but um, to embrace yeah so every, every day becomes like a blessing you know yeah. I'm still here <laughs> wow look it's still, great yeah because <laughs> yeah. it's true because one day it won't be and you know you gotta gotta take uh, make the most of it yeah absolutely so we mentioned a few people you showed me a book we talked about Ram Dass um, you know who else is sort of inspires you now whether it's like you know a book that you can't get enough of or it's a particular teaching of something that kind of, you know, it's where you are at the moment. Um, yeah, it's hard to pick just just one, really. Um, Ram, Ram Das has always been a, a, a steady one now. Uh, How's Writing Yat Khan, the book that I just mentioned there, is, is brilliant. Um, there's also uh, Destiny's teacher, Tom Knowles. He's really great he's got a great podcast called the Vedic Worldview which is really good um, enlightening and uh, really wonderful but I think just I think that I'm just kind of buzzing on just like you said just being alive it's great I just really like having as many experiences as I can and learning from them and really as we touched on earlier, it's like everyone is the teacher, really, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like one thing that the course I've been on has taught me a lot more of is to listen. I just feel like I'm listening a lot more um, to everything, you know. 
listening in a completely different way than I was before. Um, and that way, everything becomes the teacher. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautifully summed up. So last couple of questions then. So mm-hmm. I asked this to all my guests. So this podcast is about sharing what good people are doing and how they're helping people around the world and with whatever they're doing. What would you say to someone who is looking to go out and do their own bit of good in the world? Maybe they're in a position where you know they want to make that change and that shift. Go for it. Yeah, absolutely go for it. Um, as I said earlier, ask what you can do. What can you do to to uh, help help raise consciousness? Help expand. Uh, expand warmth expand empathy you know everybody has something that they um, everybody has something that they can gift and I feel like if you put your intention on that then that's where things will fall into place and uh, you'll succeed no matter what yeah sounds good to me yeah (laughs) so where can people um Check you out then. Where's the best way to go to? Do you want to hear your music? Do you want to check out the radio show? Okay, do you sure. want to book on to have a, a sound healing <laughs> session with you? Yeah, so there's a few places. So um, there's goldenratiofrequencies.com and that's primarily my uh, label website at the moment. I'm still working on making a therapy website for that too. Uh, there's a band camp where you can hear the music I release um, on that label, which is goldenratiofrequencies.bandcamp.com. Uh, I have my radio show on NTS Radio, so that's nts.live, and you can search on the Golden Ratio Frequencies, and that should come up. I have hours and hours worth of radio shows on there. Um, you can follow me on Instagram. I have Golden Ratio Frequencies on Instagram I also have my own personal Instagram which is arknod very weird spelling A-H-R-K-H underscore G-N-O-D I don't know why I chose that name and spelling at the time but it's just sort of stuck so there's that and um, and then yeah you can find me through those channels that's probably the best way to find me Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram as a social media platform um, and I'm reachable through there and if anyone wants to book in for any kind of workshops or any sort of one-to-one therapy then you can reach me through there Um, you can hear my other music uh, Nod just search Nod on Google there's loads of stuff will come up that's G-N-O-D and I'm about to release my first recordings in years uh, under my own solo name which I mentioned before ARK A-H-R-K-H and that's going to be coming up on Golden Ratio so if you just keep an eye out that'll be coming up in the next month it's my first uh, solo release for like five years or something so it's old material but it's new to everybody else so it's old to me but it's new to to people and um, so yeah that's the channels to reach me on Sounds amazing. I'll include links to Thanks. to all of them, <laughs> so uh, people can check them out. How do you how do you pronounce your surname? So when I say it, McCart. 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 Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Just thought I'd ask. Yeah. Right, otherwise... Lots of people think it's Scottish. It's yeah. it's not. It's really weird. My dad got into um, 
he got into researching family tree and it's a really weird name because it's like not a real name it's a it's a stage name from a circus and it was the biggest circus traveling circus in europe in like i can't remember the victorian times and it was this madame mccart who used to have this circus that's where it comes from that's so the, cir- the circus has never ended i'm still on it <laughs> It's, it's brilliant. They had like lion tamers, they had uh, slack rope walkers. Really crazy, really crazy stuff. Wow, that's incredible. Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. It's felt really enlightening for me and it's a great way for me to spend my afternoon. Thanks for having me. It's been great. <laughs> brilliant. There we have it, guys. There's today's episode all wrapped up with Alex. And stay tuned to the end of the episode where you can get a sample of Alex's sound healing recordings which I fully enjoyed and it was just exactly what I needed and just what my home needed actually at the time as well so yeah if you enjoyed it guys again please share this with friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and like I said I've just started my Patreon page so if you feel the desire to support it in in more ways then please become a member on there so anyway guys play it out now with Alex's healing bath and until next time have a good one